Laura Decker, it is an absolute pleasure to speak with you today about the microbiometer. This is such a breakthrough. This is such a, an incredible addition to everyone's arsenal of soil science tools and, and uh, testing equipment. So thank you for being here to talk about it today. So first off, what is the microbiometer? <laughs> it's our little kit. Looks like a lunchbox. Hi. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. I'm Laura Decker. I'm the president of uh, Microbiometer. What Microbiometer is, is a portable infield test for soil microbial biomass and fungal bacteria ratio. It was designed by Dr. Judith Fitzpatrick, who worked in medical diagnostic, who later in life really wanted to do some more mission-driven work in, for her legacy. Um, and she uh, teamed up with people who were starting to really, really get into how biology drives soil fertility and plant growth, not chemical. So we've, we've been living in a world, probably not your followers, of chemical farming, right? Throw down NPK, stuff grows, as opposed to feed the microbes, they'll mine the stuff, you'll get better plants. Um, so she sort of put that together and had three things that she wanted to do. She wanted it to be on field moist, fresh soil. So we're, we're measuring living things. Don't send them away to a lab, dry them out, and then count them. Count them while they're there, right? Like fish in a bucket. She wanted it to be affordable, okay? So that people could do it often and all over the world. And she also wanted it to be accessible, particularly to the global south and to smallhold farmers everywhere, which is both cost and also you know, you don't need a robot or a satellite. There's all a bunch of cool things. And so, and she was very, very uh, innovative. So most of the things that are in the kit are sort of repurposed. In one of them, those of you who, who ever get one, one of them is a repurposed coffee whisker, okay? Because it's readily available at low cost and can get beat up. So what you do you go out, you grab some field moist soil, you measure it, all those supplies are included. You put it in a sodium solution and whisk it. And what that does, microbes, especially if they're very in very healthy soil, glom onto soil particles, right? They make soil structure that way, right? They create air pockets and water pockets, but to count them and see them, you need to separate them from soil. You can't just take a bunch of mud, right? And put it on a slide you'll see mud. So uh, the sodium solution kind of dissolves a little bit of that, that bond between the soil and the microbes and the whisking sort of separates it. Um, it will eventually, the soil uh, and microbes will die in that sodium solution. So timing is very important. You whisk it and then you put a dropper on our membrane, which sort of acts like a, a slide like you would do microscopy. And we discovered that in natural soil, so we're not talking about hydroponics or something very artificially made. We're talking about microbes that get a lot of their pigmentation from the natural soil. Um, through testing, we discovered that you can colorimetrically using our app and our algorithm, get a very good indicator of your bacterial or, or your microbial count. Now we don't do uh, nematodes or anything bigger than microbes or fungi, because sad to say the whisking does kill them. They are sacrificed to the test. Um, and every once in a while people ask us about worms and I think, well, just count them. But um, 
So you return a, a microbial biomass and we discovered a fungal to bacteria ratio. So it's a very broad ratio, but it's really, really helpful for people who are particularly trying to improve soil structure because fungi do so much for soil structure um, and they're so easy to disrupt, right? I mean, you can sort of destroy your fungal content in a day if you want. Um, so that's the test. So you take it with you, you and your cell phone, uh, the results are stored in the database. You can add other metrics. You can download it to Excel. I'm a big Excel person um, and analyze them. And we sell, we direct, we we're in Hudson Valley, New York. We manufacture, ship and direct um, from there. We are a, uh, a woman owned, woman managed, woman run company in in ag, um, and we really like it. We're a very small company, we're four people. So if you write us, we're there, but we mostly ship international. Most of our sales, about 70% are international um, because a lot of the rest of the world is a little bit farther along than the US in terms of understanding. One, the fact that we can have to stop polluting the world with uh, fertilizers, pesticides and herbicides. Um, and also a lot of countries are, are facing uh, um, you know, the effects of climate change and working through that. So that was my very long intro to the microbiometer. And my little sales pitch is microbiometer.com. You can order them direct from us, super easy. Um, the starter kit's 135 bucks. You get uh, a bunch of tests in it and then refills. And you can use all the, and we're sorry to say there's plastic in it, um, but you can reuse it uh, for years and years and years. It's excellent, I use it. So well, some of the Thanks. questions I have um, and, and is how, I know you said earlier that the folks are testing it and using it and figuring out how to apply it and exploring using it. What does it do well and what does it not do well? Yeah, that's a great question because it's, it's a tool. It's a, it's sort of a broad tool. Um, it is, it is modeled on a scientific tool. Um, but it is designed to be used by a lay person. So, so in terms of precision, you need to, to understand what it's very, very good at and what it should be used for is what we call benchmarking, right? So I uh, am a grower and I have a field and I'm trying to figure out how to convert it to conventional, to agricultural, or I have a field that's not doing well, pasture. So what you wanna do is look at what are the effects, and this is for people who already sort of understand the importance of microbes, right? In the soil, in terms of soil structure, all that stuff. So what you use it for is to say, what are the natural cycles of the microbes in my soil, right? Microbes, we know, um, you know, in the winter, they go more go dormant. When, when plants send out exudates, they do a burst. Um, when it's very dry, they again go dormant, right? There's seasonal changes. For some plants, when the, when the crop is going into seed, the plant will stop feeding the microbes in order to feed its babies, right? Um, and the microbial population will go down sort of naturally. But then we do stuff to the soil too, right? There's this sort of natural cycle depending on all kinds of, and then we do things, right? We till, we selective till, we throw down compost, we put down biostimulants, right? So you also wanna layer on top of that how does my particular soil and crop combination react to the things I'm doing, my practices? Am I improving my microbial life or am I um, depleting it, right? So another thing is titering. How much compost should I put down, right? I mean, compost costs money, right? You wanna know, you wanna put down 
just enough to get the benefit you want. But if, if, you know, a quarter inch does as much good as two inches, put down a quarter inch and save your money. Right. And you can use it to assess those things. So you're building all of that information and you certainly, we talked about it earlier, need to add things to it. Uh, You need to understand water holding capacity, pH, right. And chemical. I mean, we're not saying chemical information is not important. It's really important. But growing is biological. It's not chemical. It should be biological. It's not chemical. I guess they just approved meat grown in the lab, but um, we're not we're not talking about that. Um, so that's sort of how people use it, right? Um, it's hard to use. It's not prescriptive. We did not go into this to tell people what chemicals and additives to put in their soil. Um, we call the people who use our tests farmer researchers, right? They have to do the hard work. We are, um, are, I'm not a scientist, but our company is a scientific company making a tool to help people make decisions. That's awesome. And what's w- one of the amazing things about it is that it measures yeasts and spores, not just yeah. what 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 is the most visual, which is the hyphae with the dark, uh, you know, well-defined septa that most people are looking at under the microscope and calculating that. But when, when I first heard that, my instant instinct was like, what about all the other fungi? This is like a small, it's not, it's the second largest group, right? But, but it's, but it's not everything. And so it's so, it was so awesome to see that you guys include, like you created a catch-all yeah, and we also catch dormant microbes, which which are important. Um, of course, there's fewer dormant microbes because microbes reproduce very, very quickly, right? So one dormant microbe in in a day can be can can grow. But it's neat to catch that stuff. We don't count, and and people ask all the time, if a microbe dies and its cell wall dissolves and it goes back to its maker, we don't count that, of course. Um, but dying microbes is the source of soil organic carbon. So uh, sad to say we're never, dead microbes are still good microbes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> seems seems bad to say. <laughs> so, so one of the questions that uh, came up was about whether the, the, the biomass was in correlation to the fungi. And my, one of my students asked me this and I was like, well, let's zoom out a bit and recognize that bacteria for the most part, and of course there's filamentous bacteria and there's streptomyces and that gets pretty big, but most bacteria is tiny. And yeah. so it's like an order of magnitude different. And, and there's yeah. a bounded nature to bacteria when fungi can just keep branching and growing. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's hard because when we talk about sort of counts, right? Microbes are this big, but when you talk about mass, right? It kind of goes the opposite way. And we look at surface area, right? So, so it's, a, it's more an indicator of mass as opposed to sort of body count <laughs> or, or DNA, uh, you know, sacs. Um, yeah, and I, I will say there are some fungi that we don't pick up. Um, there are some that are, no matter what soil they're in, are, tra- are translucent and those we can't pick up. Um, so it's, it's a very good tool, but it, it's, it, you know, there are some areas that it, it, it which, has weaknesses in it, which, which we're not afraid guy? to say, it's, you know, I, I would have to go back and look, but apparently there are some clear fungi that you have to stain even to see on microscopes. 
Um, interesting. So I always like to sort of be open about, you know, this isn't the perfect thing, but it's really good and it's very helpful. And there's nothing really out there that you can do for seven bucks by yourself and your kids can do it. We have such a fun little offshoot of kids doing science experiments with it, which is really fun because there's nothing in it dangerous. This is the little salt packets mm -hmm. and there you can eat them. Don't, but you could. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, every test has limitations. That's the, I think the actual nature of a test is that it looks at a slice of a larger picture because everything's always holistic. And so it's a larger picture than we can ever fully grasp. Yeah. One of the, one of the, the things that, that I've noticed in my work is that the environment, absolutely, the soil environment absolutely stains the hyphae of fungi because they're externally digesting. Yeah. And so they're taking the pigment in along with everything else from their out, out, outside environment. So yeah. it makes so much sense that you would look at pigment that you would look yeah, at. Yeah, and we, I mean, we, we are a test for natural, for soil, yeah. um, not for really weird stuff that people make in a drum. Um, some people are doing some very cool, not, not evil, you know, sinister work, but if you are, Persons. you know, pulling everything in the, you know, if, if you are making a compost tea that is mostly molasses or all kinds of other weird stuff, um, you, you might get some noise in the test. So, um, and, and certainly hydroponics, um, are not, are not our, our area. We, I mean, we're, we're soil driven, so we don't really want to even spend some time seeing if the test will work in hydroponics. Um, Everything flips upside down. It, yeah, like like just... the pH stuff, alkaline mm -hmm. oxidation, because the plants no longer can vent. Um, like if you're doing like, if you're thinking about wa the water-based environment, those plants yeah. are designed to vent the oxygen into the water. So the water environment is completely different. Yeah. Yeah, no, but, but, but it's really, it's, and it's really cool to see what people are sort of discovering out in the field um, and really using the tools that they have, particularly in, in, you know, we have a bunch of pilots in India and Africa of NGOs who are using it um, to see what are the effects of reducing fertilizer use or changing compost. Um, and a lot of amendment companies are using it to sort of prove out to people that their particular either biostimulant or, or biological input is effective. Um, I will say that, you know, if you're making an, an amendment, you think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but we all know that nothing works everywhere. So, um, so there are, you know, there are times... Or, you know, where men and companies say, I don't think the test is working. I say, well, you know, it's hard to know what it is, but, um, but it is a neat way to show people in the field if they don't really, if they're not really into the microbes, kind of in an, in sort of a science experiment way, like, look, you did this thing, you stopped tilling and, you know, your water, water holding capacity is better and your microbes have increased. Um, and hopefully, I mean, we sort of know in our heads, right? better microbial plant cycle, better plant growth, more robust plants, more antioxidants in the plants, healthier food, right? We haven't got to the point, we talked about the bionutrient meter, where we can like draw that line definitively, but we sort of know it's there, right? Um, 
that plants that have an immune system and are stressed are healthier to eat, right? We know, we sort of know that, um, but there's no easy way to, to, to test your kale at the grocery store yet, but there will be. There's an expensive way. I mean, all the people that are doing the research are doing the plant sap analysis in like the Netherlands and sending it out. And so that's where that those are the sources I've been using for that data. Yeah. And people, you know, some people use the BRICS test and that's, 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 you got, solids. you know, that's just yeah. solids through this delight. Yeah. Um, and the sap analysis. Yeah. People do, but uh, yeah, I, I, I have no idea why it's just stuck in the Netherlands. I Cornell did a version. Cornell did a version, but they didn't go whole hog, and so everyone's like, "eh." It's it's frustrating. Cornell, yeah, we work. We work with we work with Cornell, and um, they've done immense work. They've done immense work, but sometimes they're very disjointed, and and I I I sort of think of them as (laughs) I know, I know. It's sort of like the USDA. Like sometimes you'll I talked to someone at the USDA, and they were like microbes. What do they have to do with plant growth? And I thought, oh, why are we talking? Well, that's the thing uh, is for me and in, in, in mine, I think the USDA, FDA, all of those people, they have they have zero understanding of what they're talking about. They're just bureaucrats. Yeah, but you know, some of them are very, very on board. So it's just very strange. So we we stopped. I feel sort like of they working. put those people in front for us to talk to and then behind the doors do whatever they want. Yeah. That that might be, I you know, I don't, I, <laughs> we, you know, we were founded by two academics, so they loved academics and they were all into academics and, uh, and, and, and those two founders are gone now. And we finally decided, sorry, academics out there, except for James White, who's amazing. Um, we're, we're sort of done. We're like, we don't have all this time to talk, talk, talk and wait six years for a study that, you know, studied one thing. Because yeah. farmers have to study a hundred things. I mean, yeah, and how they interact. Yeah, oh, I love that. Yeah, so this is why I've been focused on citizen science and creating that database, so that, and 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 it would be awesome to like cross correlate and figure out how to like synergize eventually. Uh, because yeah, like and said, I, I mean, want I, this to be helpful to everyone. Ideally, it would be so cool if there could be a database and we've been we have an API. We've been talking to other people, Leaf and everything about getting our data into other farm management software. So people could. So we geolocate each sample because the soil is different everywhere. Right. So it's best if you go to the same spot. Right. Especially if you're in a pasture, it could vary. You have an anonymous function that allows them to make it ambiguous for five to 10 mile range. So you don't really know where they live. Because that's going to be the key to getting people to use it more. Oh, I'll, um, I'll edit this out, by the way. I'll edit this out. No, that's kind of cool. Thank you. Um, you know, right now you can't, it's not attached to a person. Um, and okay. the results are private, so they're not okay. shared. Um, but that is a good, that is a good point just to have a region instead of that. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to do five to 10 mile like ambiguity. So people can be like, dude, I don't want anyone knowing where I live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's true. Um, but but in terms of like correlating pH, soil, soil types, you know, past practices, putting it all together. I mean, ideally, right, in 10 years, we'll all have access to this massive database that shows everything you'd ever want to know, weather and all that stuff. Right now, I think I feel like we're in the palm pilot days where people have to take all their little pieces of paper and type them up together. <laughs> 
I feel like we just invented the computer. I feel like, we, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's so early. And, and when, when, when the people were like the top scientists in soil science, they're like, well, we know one to 3% of the soil microbes. It's like, oh, you mean, you know, nothing. Cause if you're like, I'm 97% uncertain, that means you don't, you're not certain to everyone else yeah. in the world. <laughs> yeah. About. Yeah, but so but uh, yeah. So our, so our test was really, you know, that it's it's for those people out there trying to figure out. I want to farm better. I want to grow better food. Um, and and we're very committed to the economics of farming, particularly for farmers around the world. Millions and millions of people are in poverty because farming does not pay enough. Um, and our hope as a company is that um carbon farming will become something that people have access to so they can have corn, soybean, carbon, and they can be paid for being good soil stewards. Um, and that's something that lots and lots of people are working on. Unfortunately, in the United States, it's coming in the form, I think, of robots and these million dollar machines. Um, and India, for someone who has two hectares, that's not really going to cut it. But the satellites might, just kind of looking down. Um, so, you know, that's kind of, and, and you know, everyone in, in this space is both um, maybe running a business, but also very, very mission driven. So we, we would, we want our work to be meaningful and helpful to people. Um, and, and many people farm, we're actually located on a farm as well. So, um, awesome. although we're, we're not great farmers, so, I mean. <laughs> well, one of the things well, I was thinking about is is um have you looked at eh and millivolts reduction the charge because carbon the uh, that's where it's stored the actual mm -hmm. electrons are you know and the protons that are being exchanged and held in the soil what creates the that that energy and power in the soil that's only held on the surfaces of organic matter and and the minerals to a much less degree and so the more carbon we have, the more we can kind of cheat the system. The carbon keeps going up and up and up and makes all this play in this room. And so I imagine that eventually you're going to be maybe adding other functionalities into this so that we can see the correlation to the energy. We can see like, because that directly carbon and the energy that it holds is directly related to fertility. Yeah, we would like, you know, we're sort of in the, as a start, you know, we were a startup, now we call ourselves early phase because we've been in the market, um, you know, and we're working about scale, making sure that our supply chain is, is and in COVID, we didn't have any problems because of course, Judy sourced things, you know, that were very easy to find. And, and um, so yeah, adding more functionality is something that we're going to start doing next year. Um, and it's funny because when we ask people, what do you want? They're like pH. I'm like, there's a billion pH meters out there. <laughs> Just go grab one. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. Like oh we're not God. looking for a new way to, you know, to, to do the same thing. We're saying, okay, what is there? Um, you, there we, for a while we were thinking of, of toying with the relationship between respiration and microbial biomass, right? Mm -hmm. Cause it's, a, it's a measure of how hard your microbes are working, right? Mm -hmm and how much carbon is getting released into the atmosphere as opposed to sequestered. Um, and so that is sort of an interesting way to take an existing metric, right? That's right. also not hard to get. Respiration is a fairly easy task. Solvita, right? 
Yeah, and you can do it yourself. Um, and to sort of say, okay, does it tell us more about how the microbes are doing over time, right? Um, so, um, and then of course, using the color metrics to do some more, uh, to do chemical tests would be fun, would be interesting too. It's fascinating. So that's phases. Because, because there's so much space and because the information is so um, multifaceted and each facet connects to another aspect and of the cycling and functionality of the soil, that all these tests, your test and like the respiration test, they actually improve each other when they're done in tandem. Yeah. That's the number one thing I've learned in doing my microscopy work is that I need those other tests. I need to do the PHS, the MPK test, yeah. the micro, uh, I say biometers, but you say, you say, uh, I don't know why we say microbiometer. We should say biometer. microbiometer because that's what everyone else says, but the biometer. founders, I know the founders started doing that. So, uh, we, we should, yeah, it doesn't matter what you call it. Well, <laughs> it's challenging for it. me to say, so I'm just going to try to say it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, and and microscopy is another thing that is incredibly useful, and you get you get more complete information. Certainly, I think we talked about it before. It, it's not really accessible to everybody, right? Yeah. Um, it's not really. It's a very hard skill. People, you know, study histology for years at universities in order to be able to do it. Um, and so, uh, well, anyone who can do it. it more power to them it, it's not it's not as scalable as you know a little a little kit or you know my son does agent. it with me yeah yeah and, and, and like that that's the thing is i think most of these practices really can be something you can do with your 12 year old 10 year old yeah. kid all the microscopy work i do my son knows how to do <laughs> it's not too hard you know yeah yeah so I'm really, I really love how clean, how clear, how what you guys bring to the table simplifies the work for microscopists, yes. because so many of us are like, I'm going to count the bacteria now. And then you're like counting and then you're like, wait, I'm going to look up an article on manual microscopy. And you're like, it's inaccurate. And then you're like, I guess I got to count. And I, and you feel like you've lost all hope. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it's like having something that you can put against that counting and, yeah. and look and be like, okay, they're correlating. All right. Yeah. So I can lean harder on this, this counting now. I know I'm in the ballpark. And I think that's a big deal because there is so much uncertainty. This is such a broad yes. space and we need tests that are reliable, that can synergize with other tests and give us the ability to look around corners that we couldn't look through uh, around yeah. before. There's there's one lab, Earthfort, there in Portland, and they use our test and they combine it with other chemical tests for people who don't want to do it themselves. And they improve. What they're actually helping us work on on our you know updates and everything. Um, we have assumptions about water content right in the soil because you have to have an assumption about a water content. Um, but they actually find out the actual water content of the soil to get it more precise. So it's fun to have them use it because now we said, oh, well, why don't we put in a feature, we're gonna do this later, that says, if you know your water content, some people do, or you know it's very wet or very dry, we could get your results more precise, right? Because when, when, you, when you take a half a cc of soil, 
some of it's going to be water, right? Right. Um, and so, so it's neat that 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 we, as people use it, we think, oh, okay, you know, we put a bunch of assumptions in. But as people learn more about their soil, they don't have to use our assumptions. We'll give them the power to actually make it precise. Um, yeah, and so that's the. We're a little worried that people are going to call us and be like, "What's wet soil?" But that's okay. We like to hear from people. <laughs> That is so awesome and so empowering that people can do this test. It's such an easy test and they can get, because I know the opposite is disempowering for most people. They're like, I just got my microscope. Now I'm going to try to count bacteria. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing in my life. Should I have bought this microscope? Like they question everything because of the fact that the light microscope doesn't actually reach all the bacteria. There's bacteria. Yeah, and that goes outside the range. And so you got well, things like, other, like tricking you at the limits of your oh, vision for people out there. The other thing is, is the system we developed to separate the soil and the microbes. So we get a microbial soup, right? Mm -hmm. Which when we do microscopy, we look at the soup under the microscope, right? Because the soil particles can look like microbes, you know, you want them out. And so we we just use gravity to precipitate the soil out, you know, nothing fancy. Um, but but that's an important step because particularly in really in really healthy soil, those microbes, they don't want to give up. They're glommed on. Yeah, I actually have to do some training of opposite with, with some of my students because they've been trained to do this robot arm thing where they're doing 30 seconds. And I'm like, listen, if you've got just like sharp sand and, 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 and you're shaking that, like, and you're tall and have a long arm, that one second is going harder than the child doing it with the tiny arm. And, yeah, and which, is, which is why we have this and it just goes for 30 seconds. It's standardized. So that it, yeah, because you do know if you go for 20 seconds, you'll get a different result than 40 seconds. But if everyone goes for 30 seconds, they'll have this, right? Like, and you're not going up and down with it like a force. There's not a yeah. hard stop. It's a it's yeah. a vortex. It go, you actually yeah, and, and, spin. Yeah, and the salt, if, if, and I mean, she spent about two years figuring out what the right spin is that doesn't lice everything. Um, and how long can they be in the salt solution before they start exploding, right? Um, because they will die. That's in amazing, a very short though, that she did that work. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the kind of tedious work. I just want to like put a spotlight on that. That is the kind of tedious work that no one is doing. And I find that kind of work laying about everywhere, everywhere. And so it's like, we need like people to be using these tests and then start realizing like what else needs to be mapped out and start doing that other work and filling in the gaps because there is so much work to do, but it's, it's brass tack work. It's like being meticulous and then going through six months of tedious work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the other things we toyed with was, was, um, using stain, right. To stain the microbes because. Nothing you know, in microscopy staining, but, but stain is very, very dangerous. Some stains are very, very toxic and they're hard to work with. Um, and you can't ship them around the world. 
Um, and so we decided that really, um, as a company, we were not going to get in, into the dangerous chemical world because it, again, it, it's harder to use, um, and it and it it uh, it it limits it for a lot of countries and people. Did you encounter the the situation where some websites will say something's toxic and others will say it's fine as stains? Uh, you know. I'm not a PhD. So to me, you know, we, we'd have in the lab two blue stains, right? Right. The tripan and blue, which is dangerous. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, and one is like, you're going to die. And one is totally fine. Yeah, the blue methylene <laughs> so, is totally fine. Yeah. So, so, um, and we're actually doing a cleanup of our lab and we just have to spend thousands of dollars getting, throwing away safely a lot of the dyes. Um, and so it became one of those things, and you always worry, you know, when supply chains get or staff turns over, that if people forget and order the wrong one and you're, you know, throwing chemicals at a test that we say kids can use, we're not going to, we're not even going to risk that. You know, our most dangerous thing is, well, I don't know, nothing, but this is just food grade salt, you know, um, we actually make the little packets ourselves. I'm the machinist at the company. Very exciting. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, you know, it's sort of interesting when you get into it, you learn. And the EU, we wanted to be able to ship all over the world. So we didn't want to have something that was controlled or even could be, you know, like, so um, So we don't have any problems at all shipping um, to any country. It's so wild. Um that blue methylene is a lot more than a dye. And that's the reason probably why it's there's there might be controls on it. Um, it's yeah. a metabolic drug. It's actually yeah. one of our oldest old. It's from the 1800s. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it started but, off as blue gene dye. <laughs> <laughs> All the yeah. ways we can we can kill ourselves, right? <laughs> well, it's crazy. It, it, it's they, they're using it now to and all right. It's, if we go and get poison ourselves or our children poison themselves, the first thing they give you is blue methylene when you go to the hospital in the emergency room. Oh. But it's also treats COVID. That's what hydrochloroquine was sequenced mm -hmm. from. It also treats HIV. It also treats like it's it's miraculous. It's a metabolic drug because it affects the metabolism of the body rather than like individual thing hmm. anyway i oh, i could go tangents. on forever i could go on forever because yeah. because the thing th this space has that that complexity overlap where like the dyes i mean like i basically had to figure out like that the fda the fda the fluorescence diacetate stain that the who says is like you know it's in a medically necessary thing yeah but you need to be in a hospital setting to use it, or you could go into anaphylactic shock and die. So it's like, you know, and so like, I don't want to use that. Um, and so there's like, th there's so much to that. And I really appreciate you guys creating something non-toxic. And also the, the, the carbon thing I think is so, so awesome. And I feel like the carbon economy is going to not happen. And actually, I feel like it's turning into some sort of strange Bitcoin thing where it's just a bunch of MBAs running around um, well, in a very strange way. Do you remember the whole um, uh, syngas thing in the 90s? Mm -hmm. Okay, so synthetic gas, they take biomass, they chop chopping down trees, 
they, they biochar it. And then the biochar is trash. And they didn't even know it was good in the 90s. Oh, yeah. And they would throw it away. And then they would use the syngas they made out of all the wood and sell it to the government to be used in government vehicles. And so it was a smash and grab. It was just a total, oh, there's government grants. I see that, but like 10,000 X in my permaculture world, soil world. And then I see all these people being captured by those people being like, oh, I'm, I got hired and I'm now working for this big company. We're doing this carbon economy thing. And I'm like, and, and I, and, and I feel so worried that people are going to disregard carbon when the, the truth hits on all the greenwashing out there, because we need yeah. carbon so bad in the soil. It cannot be de-emphasized. Yeah. And, and it is true. I mean, there's so much VC money rolling into these big companies that, um, and not the small, you know, I, I talk, you know, everyone I talk to is a company of 10 people who are in their basement, you know, yeah. and then you talk to these big companies, you know, Indigo that are doing all this PowerPoint stuff and it, you know, it's, and they're doing large scale farmers, if anybody, right. Not small scale. Farming, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so um, real carbon sequestration properly done is the most important thing for all of us to be doing in our soil yeah. because it's the actual natural state of soil. And we need to bring back the forest, the grasslands, the kelp forest, the the biology and all the animals. Like we got to bring it all, all of it back to actually have yeah. things function. But there, I feel strongly that they're using the, the, the raw rawing around the carbon economy because yeah. they're covering up all the pollution. Pollution in America has never been like higher in my lifetime. And like, I can yeah. feel it. I go to places I can like taste it in the air. Um, and then you look, look every few days and there's another like biological disaster in America. I hope for everybody, it, 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 it makes sense. And it comes out in a way that is farmer driven and soil steward driven. Um, and is, I think it has to be in a sense, practice driven, um, yeah. right. Change of change in practice. Well, it's going to be bigger food, higher yields, or more yeah. precocious yields. So you're going to get earlier yields to, and, and and these things are directly related to the amount of energy that can be held in the soil. And that's yeah. directly related to how much carbon you can hold in the soil. Mm -hmm. So these yeah. are very real benefits and so incredibly important. And I am, I get chills right now. I'm so excited yeah. about what you're working yeah, on. And, yeah. And, and we know that microbes, if, you, if you're not building your microbial population, you're not building your soil carbon, right? Soil carbon mm -hmm. is much more complex than just microbes, but you know that if you're going the wrong direction in microbes, you're going the wrong direction in carbon. Yeah. Um, so we always sort of thought, you know, our test could be used as sort of an early or a cheaper indicator for people, you know, as opposed to the 10 years carbon test. Um, but um, but th that that space is so complex. We're, we're not even- Your test bothered. is way more honest because someone could just work compost into their field, test it, which is burning it to ash, right? And then look at the level of ash I have. Yeah. And then someone could be like, oh, I've been developing this soil. And then they look at the biology and they're yeah. completely different from the compost that they just got from the municipal thing and worked in. And yeah. it's not even yeah, structured yet. Okay.
So it's an we'll have to have a whole carbon talk later. Get excited. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm so excited about about what you all have created and are offering because it's it's so important and I don't think people understand yet what it really is and I think we're gonna see in the next few years it just take off and be everywhere. Okay, well that's our hope. And so yeah. we have a website. People can buy us or they can ask us questions or call, um, send us feedback, and uh, we'd love to. We'd love to talk again as well. So thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Laura. What if you could verify if your compost was actually doing its job? What if you could verify if the inoculants, the mycorrhizal inoculants, biofertilizers are actually worth the money spending on them? It is all possible. And it's all things you can learn in the Regenerative Soil Microscopy 20-week online course that is starting this fall if you want to learn how to not just understand your soil, but to see that the things you're doing are actually working, that the money that you're going to spend or, or have spent was worth it so you don't get fooled again, this is the pathway. We need holistic testing, we need holistic microscopy, and we need to combine them in a new methodology for generative soil microscopy. I hope you join us. I'm Matt Powers. Grow abundantly, learn daily, and live regeneratively. I'll see you soon.